Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. It, pull back the curtain here. It is about 7.30 p.m. Sunday night. The uh, late games are wrapping up. A little window here between Sunday and Sunday afternoon action, Sunday night football action. Um, my plan is to record a shorty most weeks when the Steelers play, especially the one o'clock starts at this time. So you can get it as soon as possible. I realize that when you hear some of this, there'll be more news, particularly injury and that stuff. And I'll dig much deeper into this game, of course, starting tomorrow. Well, starting tonight, but um, t- tomorrow's podcast. So this is just initial reaction stuff. Fun. I, I mean, a remarkable football game. I mean, a, just a remarkable football game that was a fun thing to watch. I, I've been saying all along, you know, this season... Good, bad, ugly. It's going to be different. It's going to be fun. It's young, you know, new quarterbacks. I thought today was a phenomenal example of that. The uh, the ups and downs were unbelievably strong. Um, I have so many notes here. I don't even know that I'm going to use half of them. I probably won't, but I'm going to touch on the big picture stuff. Hey, a win's a win. You got nine road games this year, and you won one of them. You got six division games, and you're one and zero in the division. What a phenomenal start! I mean, the those things speak for themselves. The way this defense came out and made plays and threw, you know, and, and flew around the field, and Minka's pick six to start, sack after sack, you know, destroying that O line. I do think there was some Bengal rust involved, Burrow, and he started to warm up, that's for sure, as the the game went on. Um, I think since he will probably regret not playing their guys more, I mean, much like the Rams maybe on Thursday night, and there are other examples of that, and that's something I cited last week. But boy, you can't say... I always hate that people be like, Tomlin didn't have his team prepared. No one ever says, boy, were they prepared, and they really, really were emotionally um, schematically, especially the defense, of course. The defense was a dominant, dominant unit, about as dominant as you can see for a half of football in today's NFL. Um, some things that I definitely want to talk on talk about, and I'll probably just be all over by all over the place here. But I'm gonna give you a couple of the stats, you know, just to start, that'll bring on some more. I really like to look at first half stats and end of game stats. Um, Trubisky in the first half. Didn't do a ton, but he was 7 of 10, threw a touchdown. Burrow was 10 of 17, but he had three interceptions and four sacks in the first half. Mixon carried the ball 15 times in the first half, 67 yards. Najee carried the ball four times in the first half for six yards. (laughs) Jamar Chase, boy, was he good today. I mean, with all respect to everyone, he may have been the best player on the field. And the Steelers had some studs, and the Steelers' stud showed up. But Chase was a force of nature. He caught four for 58 in the first half. Kind of, as I mentioned, Steelers were plus four in turnovers in the first half of play alone. But an alarm bell went off, too. It's like, you guys are plus four in 30 minutes of football, but you only have an 11-point lead. Like, this thing ain't over, and I was dead right about that. Time of possession, which is misleading, because if you turn the ball over a lot, you get it back. Well, the Bengals had the ball for about 19 minutes in the first half. The Steelers had it for under 11. And 
I will say I think that started to show up game one, late in this game. And this is a this isn't a Steeler thing. I mean, across the whole league, guys get tired early in the year, much more so. And I give the Steelers a lot of credit. I'm going to make sure I throw this out there too. That front seven, but particularly their D line, when they were all healthy and early in the game, and even in key situations. Rotating those guys in and out like hockey lines. I mean, Cam Hayward was playing a lower percentage. I'm excited to dig into the snaps. Watt wasn't out there every snap. You know, I mean, so they were very aware of keeping these guys fresh. And I sit here thinking, what if they didn't? You know, by fourth quarter, let alone the fifth quarter, this this the turnout of this game could have been drastically different. Uh, yards per play in the first half. Steelers were at 5.1. Bengals were only at 4.3. Only 31 rushing yards in the first half of the Steelers. I mean, obviously the run game, traditional runs are a problem right now. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. I mean, that's a very obvious. Chase Claypool was your your leading rusher when it was all said and done. I mean, so here's some final stats. I mean, he had six rushes for 36 yards where Najee had 10 for 23. Um, Burrow finished the day 33 of 53 for 338, two scores and those four picks. Mitch was fine. I thought Trubisky played well enough. Um, nothing was too big for him. Didn't get much help from the running game. Would have liked to see them better situationally. Red zone, third down. I'm not going to blame it all on him, obviously. Um, but I thought he was fine. You know, he ended up 21 to 38 for 194. Mixon was 27 carries for 82 yards, and I thought he looked great. But all in all, Steelers were pretty good in terms of, you know, their run defense. I mean, under four yards a carry, three yard, 3.9 yards a carry for the Bengals. You'll take that. And Mixon, I thought, was one of the best players on the field in this game. Um, Fryermuth, 10 targets. Deontay, 12 targets. Mixon also had nine targets. Jamar Chase, who I mentioned, had 10 Caught them all for 129. He was unbelievable. Um, Highsmith was three sacks. Steelers had seven sacks. Bengals only had one. Um, turnover differential was one of the most key uh, stats you'll find, and you all know that by now. But so is sack differential. To be plus six in sack differential in a game is unbelievably good. Um, I mentioned before, third downs were a problem for the Steelers, and you know that there's no question about that. Meanwhile, the Bengals were 50% on their 16 uh, third down uh, opportunities. I'll live with it, but that's not great. Um, time of possession when it was all said and done, a little over 26 minutes for the Steelers, almost 44 minutes for the Bengals. Uh, yards per play is one of my favorites, as you probably know by now. 4.4 for the game for the Steelers, 4.6 for Cincinnati. So, you know, I mentioned before, last one here, the Bengals had 3.9 yards per carry. The Steelers were only at 3.4. Um, so get that stuff out of the way. We'll come back here in a minute and some more overlying impressions. So much to talk about. A lot of it's going to seep into tomorrow. So, yeah, we'll be back.
stars came out to play, um, especially on defense. Minka, <laughs> I mean, pick six to start the game, unbelievable. Huge play versus Mixon on fourth down. Blocks that extra point. Cam ripped up Volson all day long. Watt was a dominant MVP type player. And then others really benefited and played well too. Sutton, I thought, had a good game. Highsmith had three sacks and was winning one-on-one matchups. That's really all I ask of him, and that's great. And I can't wait to watch it again, but I thought Devin Bush played pretty well. Um, big plays from both tight ends from the Steelers. I thought Deontay Johnson was exceptional in this game. Made some ridiculous contorting catches, whether they caught, you know, whether they counted or not. Um, you would have loved to see this offense, and they had their struggles, convert great field position and opportunities into more points. And again, I mentioned the third down, zero traditional running game I have here. Um, so those were some issues. And I noticed in the second half, too, nothing looked real smooth. It was pretty clunky from just kind of like an operational standpoint. Um, again, I want to credit Chase and Mixon. Burrow looked rusty like he was hadn't played in a while and was coming off an appendectomy, but by the second half, I thought he was Joe Burrow and throwing the ball extremely well. Not sure the Bengals coaching staff had their best day. I also don't know if the Bengals coaching staff is a particularly great coaching staff, to be honest with you. Have to mention the injured long snapper situation. I inevitably get asked every year several times, why even bother keeping a roster spot for a long snapper? Well, you watch this dude snap him, especially the one that Minka, you know, the, the second one was worse, but the one that Minka blocked, it doesn't come in on a line. It floats in there and has a little arc and then falls into their hands. You wouldn't think that'd be that big a deal, but that's almost another step that a guy can get to block it. And it's hard to block for, you know, for protection. Let's hit these injuries. I mean, uh, Watt is obviously the big one, and I assume you guys will know more about these than I know right this minute. I'm under the, I'm going to just operate under the assumption, right or wrong, that it is a torn peck. I don't know if it's severely torn, you know, but Big Brother had one. JJ had a torn peck. He missed about two months. Might not be a season ender, folks. Who knows? It very well could be. When I saw it and heard peck, I immediately thought it was a season ender. That would be massive. If you could get Watt back by week 10, 11, 12, that would be unbelievably fortunate. And I think he'd still have a chance to survive at that point. I don't know what to think of these Cam and Najee injuries, um, especially Najee, but neither one looked like they were getting treatment. I know they're both the leaders and the tough guys and all that, but you know, especially the Najee one did not look good. That's a much less concern to me than Watt, let alone Cam. And I'm not picking on Najee, but Warren would be okay. Um, I didn't think Harris was particularly impressive. He also didn't have much to work with. Uh, Levi Wallace left the game, didn't return, never a good sign. Ripple effect of that would be much more Sutton outside, and I would assume Millette in the slot, which can live with, you know, but then depth is dangerously thin. Uh, Spillane was also injured. While we're talking about him, I just want to throw one couple things out there. I mean, I think most of you guys realize I'm not the biggest Spillane fan. Um, I think he gets picked on. I don't know that he's an athletic enough guy to play as much as he does on defense. But as I mentioned, they're rotating their front a lot. They're also rotating the linebackers. But it looks pretty clear that Spillane is the dime back. And... 
a dime linebacker. You know, when they have one linebacker on the field with a four-man front and six defensive backs, which is a lot of time, he's been the linebacker. I mean, not Jack, not Bush. I understand him and Bush rotating or whatever. I would think Jack would never leave the field. Apparently, I'm wrong. I understand that Spillane is smart and a phenomenal communicator by all accounts. Great. I just think that those things will probably come back to bite them, to be very honest with you. I mean, if that's the if that's the move, I mean, if it's third and eight against 11 personnel and you think they're going to throw, I think Spillane's the last guy I went out there. Maybe I'd prefer him over Bush, but definitely not over Jack. Um, what else here? I mean, there's so much. I'm just kind of scrolling as I chat with you guys. I like that they featured Claypool. I, I thought that was interesting, and I'm very much in favor of it. Um, maybe he doesn't need six or seven carries or whatever a game on end of rounds. I think people will catch on to that pretty quick. Um, I'd like to see more Pickens, but don't have the slightest bit of concern about him at all. Um, I mean, some of the situational stuff w- was phenomenal. Some of these things really reminded me of things I watched in practice, situational, the seven shot stuff they do. Um, couple oh, a couple bad penalties by the Steelers at the end of regulation too, and then you know Chase beats Witherspoon for that touchdown one on one, and I'm not sure many corners are breaking that up, folks. And Spoon redeemed himself obviously later. That was awesome. Um, note on Trubisky, I meant to say before I didn't like too many of his throws came off his back foot, whether he needed to or not. Um, I understand that there's a rush and can't always step in and he has enough arm to get away with that, but that's something I'm just going to keep my eye on that I didn't see a ton of in the preseason, but I saw a lot of in this game and didn't love it. And some of those balls floated and, you know, it wasn't a real crisp outing, you know, when, when those were the, his decisions with the, with, uh, in terms of his footwork and whatnot. And, you know, not many games are going to, you're going to be plus five in turnover differential. And if you need that to go to overtime, you could look at that in certainly a negative light that if you're plus five in turnover differential and plus six in sack differential, you should win games going away. Um, they didn't. And last nugget, and this is really getting ahead of ourselves, but we're going to talk Patriots a lot this week. You know, get used to hearing more about the opponent than you probably have in years past. I've been extremely low on the Patriots. I put some bucks on Miami. That worked out quite well. Mac Jones, who I have a lot of respect for, was unable to uh, talk to the media after because of a back injury. They were terrible as a team, as they have been in the preseason and all practice reports. But the big reason I wanted to bring them up was the Mac Jones injury, how bad they looked, especially on offense, this entire game against the Dolphins. And, you know, fatigue is a real, real thing in this time of year. And the Steelers just played a full five-quarter game and suffered some injuries, and they're going to test depth. You don't like that for the next contest. I understand it's a week away. But New England had to travel to Miami, a second straight road trip, and they played in the sun poorly. You know, I mean, you hate to play in Miami to start a season. So I saw that coming from New England. I think it's, as we talked about last week, I thought it was a really good time to play the Bengals. I think it's an even better time to play New England. I'm assuming you won't see Watt amongst others. And 
We'll see. But this first month of the season isn't all that brutal. If they could somehow get to three and one, which only means two and one from this point, you know, you really have something to build on and put a little bit of money in the bank where you're at. I mean, winning a division game, winning one of your nine road games, as I mentioned, is massive. I mean, that's what this league's about is winning in the margins. And I got to give Tomlin credit for having these guys wound up, playing smart, playing with a lot of attitude, a lot of aggression. The defensive coaching staff to me is really top notch. When you now you're talking about Flores and Austin mixed with the other guys and Tomlin. That showed up huge. Um, Watt injury is a dark cloud, though. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, I'm not sure that there's a player on the team you'd rather, you know, least rather lose. Um, good thing they made a trade for Reed, who showed up a little bit in this game. Excited to watch more of his snaps closer. I'll probably do that tomorrow. I assume he'll be starting, you know, ASAP. I also don't think Jones is an awful backup, you know, a fourth guy. It's better than the Tuskas of the world. So they've upgraded a little bit there. They upgraded the third and fourth outside linebacker spot. And hey, being overly optimistic here, Highsmith had three sacks in this game. You know, I mean, I don't think he's ready to be Batman. I mean, there's no question about that. But he might have to blitz a little more, um, things of that nature. And they're very capable. They've become a lot, lot less blitz-oriented. But there's no replacing Watt or really anything close to it. He is a unbelievably special player. And that showed up in this game over and over. And his splash plays are frankly remarkable. Um, he'll be missed for however long that is. So I just wanted to make sure I got this one in the books for you. Give you a 15 minute, you know, quick reaction type of deal. That's probably what you'll get Sunday nights, Monday mornings from me uh, in the podcast world. And we'll dig in a lot deeper tomorrow. I'll have to certainly know a lot more whenever I had 24 hours of digestive, watching the second time, all that good stuff. Uh, that is a wrap. Over and out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.